see a shrink. It's a little bit more complicated than that. Bruce, trust me when I tell you, I've heard them all. Not this one. We've never seen anything even close to your levels of exposure. That you survived an event like that, it's beyond my comprehension. I don't want to control it. I want to get rid of it. As far as I'm concerned, that man's whole body is property of the U.S. Army. They want it as a weapon. If we let it go, we will never get it back. One thing to confront that, it's in me. Maybe if I can control it, I can use it. Thanksgiving I did as well I tell you I just love Thanksgiving um, just something hanging out with family and friends and eating turkey and and then afterwards eating turkey sandwiches and and then next morning eating turkey with eggs and just something about it I don't know what it is the tryptophan or the flobaline or whatever that thing that makes you sleepy it was just man it was a good time so um, I want to just uh, just say thank you so much for being here. If this is your first time here at One Church, um, we always have this much fun. In fact, I want to make a, just a quick announcement. Uh, there, I know we have a lot of soldiers getting home, and you've not met us, the staff. Tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock at Get Some Coffee, uh, you can be able to come by and get some coffee on us. We're going to pay for your coffee, and you're gonna, you can be able to hang out and talk to the staff and and, and visit with one of us. If you have any questions, you're welcome to do that. Um, but that's going to be 7 o'clock tomorrow at Get Some Coffee. Y'all know where that's at? All righty then. Very good. Um, how many of y'all saw The Incredible Hulk th- this summer? All right. How many of y'all liked it? I-, I thought it was a great movie. It was like a thousand times better than Ang Lee's Incredible Hulk back in 2003. Because that was not good. All right. Not a good movie. Um, but this one was good. I got a friend, Andy, um, Andy Wargo. He has a problem with the CGI effects. He likes the old Lou Ferrigno. How many of y'all grew up with Lou Ferrigno back in the 80s, the Incredible Hulk? All right, now, so that was good. Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno. All right, there you go. So um, there he is again. I just said, so, I mean, I kind of grew up with that. In fact, uh, when the Hulk came out, they were doing the whole, um, you know, uh, I guess the Sci-Fi Channel was playing like all the Incredible Hulks. It was pretty cool. Um, but uh, I, this, if you don't know anything about the Hulk, let me give you some background, all right? Uh, Dr. Bruce Banner is a nuclear physicist. 
And he is doing um, some work, some lab work, and he accidentally gets exposed to huge amounts of gamma radiation. And what normally should kill him changes his DNA so that when he gets angry, he becomes something. When he gets angry, he turns into something. He turns into a monster uh, because the gamma radiation, the anger, is controlling him. Um, you know, um, one of the things that, uh, that all of us deal with is anger. We all deal with anger. And, and one of the big things of this movie, it talks about that um, Bruce Banner is just wanting to get rid of it. In fact, this clip I want to show you right now, he talks about um, what he wants to do with this power that's lurking inside him. Watch this. What happens? What do you experience? Remember those experiments we volunteered for at Harvard? Those enthused hallucinations? They feel a lot like that. A thousand times amplified. It's like someone's poured a liter of acid into my brain. Do you remember anything? Just fragments, images. There's too much noise. I can never derive anything out of it. But then it's still you inside it. No. I don't know. In the cave, I really felt like it knew me. Maybe your mind is in there. It's just overcharged and can't process what's happening. I don't want to control it. I want to get rid of it. He doesn't want to control it, but he does want to get rid of it. The problem with that is we can't get rid of our anger. In fact, some of you, maybe you grew up in a home that you just wish your parents would get rid of their anger, or maybe you have a problem with your anger and you just wish God would take that away. I have bad news for you. He's not going to do that. Because anger is an emotion that He gave us. And hear me on this one. Anger in itself is not bad. Anger in itself is not bad. In fact, how do I know that? Well, um, in John chapter 2, verse 15, Jesus, the Son of God, who did not have any sin, He never sinned. It says that the religious Jews of the day was doing all of this stuff in the temple, making it into a money-making machine, and He gets angry. He gets so angry, in fact, that He makes a whip. And he goes into the temple and like pulls an Indiana Jones. I mean, whichka! And he's, I mean, I mean, he's swirling it around. That's in the Bible. Now, if he was able to do that, and he wasn't sinning, then anger in itself is not a sin. Anger in itself is not a sin, but anger can become sin. So where's the line? Well, in Ephesians chapter four. Verse 26, it gives us the line. It gives us what's the issue. Because anger in itself is not bad, but in Ephesians 4.26, it shows us what happens when anger controls you. Look at this. And don't sin by letting anger gain... What's that next word? Everybody say the word control. Control. Don't sin by letting anger get control over you. 
Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. The Bible never says that getting angry is a sin. It's okay to get angry because Jesus even got angry. You're driving down the road? Come on. One of the things that my wife and I, we have a lot of discussions when I'm driving because I have the angry white man syndrome that when I get behind a wheel of a car and I'm on the interstate and other people are obeying the law and they're driving in the fast lane and I'm wanting to break the law. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? I want to go 78 and somebody's going 76 in front of me. I get angry. That anger is sin. You want to know why? Because it controls me. It controls me. It eats me up. Don't sin by letting anger get control of you. It doesn't say don't sin by getting angry. It says don't sin by letting anger gain control of you. So the issue, what makes anger sin, is this question. Is it controlling you? Is it controlling you? Is it calling the shots? Do you lose your temper? Not anger, but you lose it. Because anger is in control of you. If anger is in control of you, then it is a sin because God doesn't want anything to control you. Anything. When you lose control, you become a monster. Look at this next clip. Banner lost control of his anger, he became a monster. And guess what? When you lose control of your anger, and when you let anger control you, you become a monster too. Just ask your wife. When you allow anger to control you, it is not a good thing. The average male loses his temper, gets angry six times a week. Some of y'all are above average. (laughs) Ladies, the average lady loses her temper 
three times a week. Unless she's married to a man. I'm just joking. <laughs> and he's driving down the interstate like a fool. All right. So you see, the issue is control. Anger in itself is not a sin, but is anger controlling you? Because God doesn't want anything to control you. Anything. But it's not just anger. You may not be an angry person. All right? Anger, I mean, when I, if I preach this entire sermon on anger, about anger not controlling you, you're going, I'm good, I'm good. Because I'm not angry. You're, the issue of what's controlling you may not be anger. It may be something else. It may be food. Come on now. The Bible never ever speaks that eating food is a sin. But it does speak against gluttony. What you did on Thanksgiving. All right? Because if you let food control you, food can become a sin for you. God doesn't want you to be controlled by food, just like He doesn't want you to be controlled by anger. Maybe, maybe that's not yours. It, yours may be television and movies. Yours may be, you know what, your life revolves around the TV guide. And you know what, you got to, when the office comes on, everything else, everything, see, I I know what y'all are thinking, see. When the office comes on, you've got to stop what you're doing because you've not bought a TiVo yet. I understand this. Um, Or, you know what, and see, there's nothing wrong with television per se. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with watching movies. But if television is is keeping you from reading your Bible, and if movies is keeping you from praying, then it is controlling you. Everybody say the word control. It says in Ephesians 4.26, don't let anger gain control. But you know what? We can also say don't let food gain control. Don't let movies gain control. You know, you're thinking, you know, that's not me. I don't have a problem. I don't watch TV. Okay, good. Cool. Yours may be something else. It may be smoking. Now let me say this right off the bat. Nowhere in the Bible does it say thou shalt not smoke Winston. It's just not in there. Alright? But if cigarettes is controlling, everybody said it were control. If cigarettes is controlling your life, then it is wrong. If God wanted you to quit, could you? If you wanted to quit, could you? You see, because many of us, something else is calling the shots. Okay, maybe not cigarettes. It may be dip. All right? Skull. All right? Some of y'all are going, dadgummit, how come I came today? I know what you're thinking, all right? And again, nowhere in the Bible does it say, you know, don't dip. But it does say, don't let anything gain control of you over you. And if God wanted you to stop, could you? Would you? Because God doesn't want anything calling the shots in your life. Oh, you know, maybe alcohol. You know, nowhere in the Bible does it say that drinking is a sin, even though many denominations kind of put that in there. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, Thou shalt not drink beer. It's just not in there. However, in Ephesians 5.18, 8.97 in your One Church Bible, Ephesians 5.18, I want to read this to you. 
Because even though it doesn't say don't drink, it does say something else. It says don't be, what's that next word? Drunk. What's the issue of being drinking and being drunk? You probably guessed it, control. Just like the Bible doesn't say don't, don't eat, but gluttony is a sin. Don't drink is not a sin, but don't get drunk is. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. If, if we could just stop right there, some people say, you're exactly right. I've seen, I've seen alcohol ruin my family's life, my dad's life, my mom's life. And our tendency to say is, you know what, let's just not do it at all. Let's throw it out. And for you, that might be okay. But the Bible doesn't say that. And we can't add to God's Word. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and what? It's, are y'all seeing a theme this morning? Don't let alcohol control you. If anger is controlling you, it's a sin. If food is controlling you, it's a sin for you. If television, movies, video games is controlling you, it's a sin for you. If having to go um, to Home Depot or Lowe's and you have to get the, the next biggest and baddest power tool, and I mean, you, I mean, and that's, that's controlling your life, it's a sin, all right? If alcohol is a sin, I mean, if alcohol is controlling you, it's a sin. You see where I'm going with this? The issue is control. The issue is control. It's always control. He wants you not to be drunk with wine. Don't be controlled with wine. But he wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, before I can talk what it means to be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit, I need to talk about the Holy Spirit for a little bit. Now, hear me. Some of you, you may have not been to church in a long time. Maybe you've never been to church. And you're, you know, we start talking about this, you're going, that's just kind of weird. I don't understand it. And you may have grown up in church all your life, and you're like, I just don't understand the Holy Spirit. What is, who is that? What is that? And if you are not a Christian today, th- this may answer a lot of questions about your Christian friends. Because some of you may be thinking, I just can never be that good. I can never be that perfect. I can never be that holy. And what you're going to find out today is they aren't perfect, holy, and good either. They just got some help because the Holy Spirit helps them. Um, We're going to come back to Ephesians 5.18, but I'm having to take just a a quick side note, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. So let's do that. Let's read some extra verses. Jesus is going to talk about the Holy Spirit in John 16.7. So if you have your Bible, start going there. Um, Before Jesus is talking, up, up to this point in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was not a daily part of every person's life. The Holy Spirit would come down and help out and do some interaction uh, here on the earth for just a little bit, and then He would go back up. Um, But He wasn't uh, a daily part of people's lives. Well, in John 16, 7, Jesus is talking to His best buddies, His friends, His disciples, and He says this, John 16, 7, But it is actually best for you that I go away. That's interesting. What he's saying is this. He's saying to the people closest to him, I'm going to go away. I'm going to go away, and it's going to be really good for you that I am leaving. To which they're thinking, no, it's not. We remember how it was before you ever got here. And you're the Son of God. You're the Messiah. You're doing all of these miracles. You're feeding people. You're doing all of this stuff. What do you mean you're leaving? But Jesus says, it's going to be better if I leave. Look what it says. 
Because if I don't, the helper, everybody say the word helper. The helper won't come. If I do, if I do go away, he will come because I will send, what's that next word? Him, not an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is him. I will send him to you. Now, when Jesus said this, the disciples are scratching their heads and some scratching their tummies, and they're going, what? Helper? They just they have no idea what he's talking about. And he, Jesus is saying, I know that me being with you is good, but when I leave, somebody is going to be coming in you, and it's going to be better. All right, who's the helper? Well, John 14, 6, Jesus tells us specifically who the helper is. The helper, what are you talking about, Jesus? Who is he? The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, which is the Son's name. He will teach you everything and make you remember all that I've told you. Look at that, the helper. Who's the helper? Holy Spirit, whom the Father sends in my name. So Jesus predicted that once he left the Holy Spirit... Now, the Holy Spirit, the Father, and Jesus. If you're a church... You know, maybe you've been in church for a while. What, do, like, what is that called? The Trinity. The Trinity. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And again, growing up in church, I grew up in church, and this idea of the Holy Spirit was just kind of, kind of strange to me, to be quite honest with you. You know, there's God the Father, and I can understand God the Father because I got a dad... Alright? And I have a father, and I, I can understand that, okay? God the Father. He's like a father figure. Good, okay. Then there's God the Son, Jesus. I can understand that because I'm a son, alright? So, okay, I can understand that. But the Holy Spirit? I just, it was just like, that's just kind of strange. And people who talked about it a lot kind of scared me. You know what I mean? And some people, you know, it, it was just, it was just, you know, and then I'd go to different churches, and it was like, wow, this is really different. And, uh, and it was just kind of different. And I, I, there was a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit. And maybe you're here this morning, and you've been to church for quite some time, and you're, there's still a lot of confusion. And I'm hoping to clear that up for you. And if you're not a Christian, maybe you never, you're going to understand that the reason why Christians are good is because they got some help. They really aren't that good. All right. All right. So let's let's keep on going. So Jesus says, you know what? I am with you, but when I leave, the Holy Spirit is going to come in you. And what Jesus said came true eventually. Jesus uh, was crucified on the cross. He died. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again. He was he he stuck around for about forty days, forty fifty days here on this earth, and then he went to be with the Father in heaven. And then all of his disciples, his friends, gathered uh, in an upstairs room and they started praying and hanging out. And God sent the Holy Spirit and, and the Holy Spirit came into their lives and now God is in them. Jesus saying, I know it may be good that you're, you like hanging out with me and doing the whole fish and walking on water and I give you noogies by the Sea of Galilee. That's good. All right? And I like being with, I like being with you too. But the, the, what you, when I leave, God is going to become in you. God is going to be in you. And, when, and what's so cool about this is after that upper room experience, every time somebody came to know Jesus Christ, every time somebody entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and comes into your life immediately. It happens. You ain't got to pray about it. 
you ain't got to go down front and uh, let somebody smack you upside the head. All right? If, if some of y'all want to do that, I'll take a free shot at you this morning. But you don't have to do that. All right? It just, you pray, you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit immediately, everybody say the word immediately, comes in you. Comes in you. And He is in you. That's cool. Last verse I want to hit before we go back to Ephesians 5.18. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says this. He says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of who? The Holy Spirit who lives... Everybody say that next word. I'm sorry. I'm a little hard of hearing. Can you say that one more time? In. He lives in you. He lives in you and was given to you by God. You see, when you ask Jesus Christ, you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, you become a Christian, you get all of God. And He places God in you, the Holy Spirit in you. Now, let's go back to Ephesians 5.18. It says, Do not be drunk with wine, for that's going to ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. He says, don't let alcohol fill and control you. Don't get drunk. Paul contrasts getting drunk with being filled or controlled, really, by the Holy Spirit. That's kind of interesting contradiction. I mean, contrast, don't you think? I mean, think about it. When people are drunk, what do they do? They walk differently, don't they? They walk differently. They talk differently, don't they? Come on now, tell the truth, shame the devil. All of y'all are going, I've never done that, Pastor. <laughs> Come on now. You may not have done it, but you've seen it, all right? Um, they talk differently. They slur their words. They become many times a different person. You have some people who are great, jovial people before, but once they get drunk, they're angry. And then there's some people that are like life of the parties before they ever take a drink, and then after they get drunk, they're crying in the corner. All right? (laughs) Their personality changes. The way they talk changes. The way they walk changes. Why? Because the beer, alcohol, wine, whatever you're drinking is controlling. Everybody say the word control controlling you. Now, God is saying this. Just as beer controls a person, the Holy Spirit should control a person. Just as beer feels and controls a person, the Holy Spirit should fill and control a person. The, the word for fill and control, that's a verb. In the original language, it's one word. And it's plerustha. And, it, and, it, and the way it means is like this. It's a constant. It's a command. God's saying you need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. But it's also, you don't just give Him control of your life and say, okay, I'm good. See ya until I get to heaven. No, because you and I both know we may may give Him control of our life in one situation, but in another situation we want to be in control. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like uh, driving. There's sometimes I don't mind my wife driving the car and she's in control of the car until she's driving in the fast lane <laughs> uh, and on the interstate, all right? And then I want to be in control. 
Right? See, that's how many of us are with our lives. God, you can be in control of this part of my life, but this part of my life, I still want the steering wheel. And it takes a constant choice, day-by-day day choice, to, be, to, to give the Holy Spirit control. That original word, that plerusta, it was a sailing term. And it was used as wind fills the sail of a sailboat. Think of it this way. Just as wind fills the sail of a ship and propels and controls it, so the spirit of a Christian controls him or her and gets them closer to Jesus Christ. Now, I'll be honest with you. The, the hardest thing I struggled with this message, um, the hardest thing was how. How does the Holy Spirit control you? How does the Holy Spirit fill you? How does the Holy Spirit um, call the shots? How does the Holy Spirit influence you because you've heard of driving under the influence but we want you to be living under his influence so how are you influenced by the holy spirit and that is i mean i struggle with that and the more i started thinking about it the more i think okay how are you influenced how am i influenced today when you're when you're influenced to purchase something in the mall this holiday season how are what's influencing you and this is what i came up with all right how we are influenced the first way we're influenced is by what we see, what we see, what we read. And like many times when you're, um, we want things that comes on the television during commercials, like my son Jed, he's four years old, and Christmas is so magical for him. Uh, we were watching, uh, I think, um, it wasn't Dora the Explorer, but it was Diego, I believe. All right. There's counseling sessions afterwards. Anyway, but we're watching Diego, and uh, I, I don't know if he liked Diego as much as the commercials that came on in between Diego. You know what I mean? There was the Ben 10 Alien Force Watch. You know what I'm saying, Jed? All right, yeah, he's not his head. And that's all he talks about. I want my Ben 10 Alien. And then something else would come on. I want that. Okay, and this, I want that. And then, I want that. And I'm thinking, my gosh. So, I mean, he wants, because he's influenced by what he sees. Guess what? You are influenced by what you see as well. You are influenced by what you read. God wants to influence you by what you read. In Ephesians 3, 5, it says, The writers of the Bible were inspired by the Holy Spirit. So here's the question I want to ask you. Are you reading your Bible? Because if you're reading your Bible, guess what? You're going to be influenced by God. But you've got to be reading your Bible. Some of y'all are like, you know, I don't feel close to God. And you never read your Bible. Of course you don't feel close to God. Because God speaks to you just like um, Fisher Price speaks to my son through a commercial. God speaks to you through his Bible. He's communicated with you. It's his love letter. So you are influenced by what you read. Also, you're influenced by who you talk to. Are you talking to Jesus? Are you praying to God? Romans 8.26 says the Holy Spirit helps us pray to God. So if you're praying to Him, if the, when you get problems, if you're going and you're talking to God, you know what? You're going to be controlled by God. You're going to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Are you in prayer? That's the question. Are you a person that talks to God about things? Third way, you're influenced. You're influenced by what we do. Ephesians 3.16 says that the Spirit of God empowers us for ministry and service. The question is, are you serving God? 
When God tells you to do something, are you doing it? Are you just saying, you know what, I'm just here and, you know, people are here to serve me and I come to one church and, you know what, I'm just, I'm here to be served. Well, that's a problem because Jesus said in Mark 10:45 that Jesus did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And you're not above Jesus. So are you serving? That's the question. Are you serving? Are you involved in some type of ministry? Uh, Whether it's in church or maybe it's outside there, but are you involved in a ministry? Fourth way we're influenced is this. We're influenced by who you hang out with. Y'all know Proverbs um, says this, that if you walk with the wise, you're going to become wise because you're influenced by who you hang out with. Uh, another, Ephesians 4, 2 through 6, says that the Holy Spirit's knit people together in the church. Are you in community? That's the question. Are you in a small group? Are you regularly hanging out with other Christians and allowing them to ask some questions of you? That's how you're influenced. You want to be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit? You do those four things. Think of it as a sail. This, this picture of a sailboat, you can see this. This is kind of cool. Every one of these sails have four corners. And if you think of it, four corners of a sail, I just gave you four points that if if you do those, you're going to set your sail. Now hear me, the wind is always going, but if you ain't got the sails up, you ain't going to be going nowhere. Holy Spirit's always, God's, God's all around you. And God wants to move you closer to Jesus. But if you're not doing those four things, it's like those four sails, four corners of a sail. If you're not getting them up, you ain't going to be able to get God to propel you to go where you need to go. And that's our big idea for today. We are filled and controlled. Everybody say the word controlled. We are controlled by God through these four things. The Bible. Everybody say the Bible. The Bible, prayer, say it. Service. Everybody say the word service. And community. I didn't tell you to say that last one. Anyway. Now, some of you, you may struggle with some of those. Maybe the Bible is a struggle for you. And you know, I understand that. There's sometimes I read the Bible and it's just like, I didn't get anything out of it. One of the things, we have a very easy to read translation of the Bible out at our Guest Central. And we give these Bibles out for free. Alright? I'd love for you to take one. We also have a little thing called a daily bread. And you can read the daily bread, and it's going to show you where to read and kind of how to pray. It's kind of like a Bible for dummies. All right? And I get it. And what does that tell me? I'm a dummy. That's okay. I can live with that. All right? But you open it up, and it's like, okay. And it kind of shows you. It connects the dots. It's cool. All right? Service. You know, one of the things at, at the same place, the, the black tablecloth, you can sign up to be involved in a communion group. You can sign up to be involved to serve. But do one of those four things, or do even more importantly, all of those four things. I promise you, if you do that, you will be controlled by the Holy Spirit. As we close today, I just wanted to just say briefly, how do you know? What's your life going to look like? How is it going to be different when God controls you? Because some of you are like, give me the payoff, man. Give me the payoff. That's, that's four things you're telling me to do. Give me the payoff. Well, the payoff, this is what's so spanking cool. The payoff is in the next verses. Okay, Ephesians 5.18, I told you that word, there's that verb. All of these verses I'm going to read, there are, there are no verbs. There look like there are verbs in the English, but in the original language, it's no verbs. What that was telling you is this. Some of y'all are going, you're losing me, Pastor. Just listen to me. 5.18, if you do 5.18, the rest of these verses we're going to look at is going to be results. 
There's a cause and there's an effect. And the cause is you have God controlling your life. This is what your life is going to look like. This is the effect. I'm going to read this. Ephesians 5.18. Let, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. I'll go, then, look at this. Then, this is so cool. Then you will sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You know what? People who are controlled by God sing. They like singing. I'll never forget. I was on staff at another church, and I got rode up in one of my six-month evaluations because I sang too much. <laughs> I thought that's a good one, and I, and I wanted. And I, I literally, I turned to this passage, and I'm like, "Here you go, man. All right, um, do you sing?" How do you talk to other people? Is it filled with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? Are you, do you just love singing? Some of y'all, y'all like this on Sunday morning. All right? Quit sucking on lemons and start singing. All right? Because if you're controlled by God, you're going to sing. I'm going to keep on reading. All right? And you will always give thanks for everything. You know what? People who are controlled by God, they're, they live, they're always thankful. It's not always, I can't wait, I can't wait to get this, and I can't wait to get that, and I can't wait to get this. They're thankful for what they have. Oh, that's so cool. And further, you will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. People who are controlled by God get along with other people. If you don't get along with other people, there may be something wrong with you. All right? Maybe you're not controlled by God. I'm going to keep on reading. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Dear Lord. Hear me, ladies, if you're controlled by God, you're, gonna ha you're not going to have any problems putting your, your husband's needs before your own. And some of the, I heard a guy back there saying, Amen. All right? This next one's for you, my friend. It says this, um, And you husbands must love your wives the same love that Christ showed the church. Ladies, let's say Amen. All right, now. All right? So how did Jesus love the church? He died for all right? So you, you, if God is in control of your life, guess what's going to happen? Guys, you're going to put your wife's needs before your own. It keeps on going. Children, obey your parents. Come on now. Some of you parents are going, listen, listen to the pastor. He's getting to the good stuff. All right? Children, if you are controlled by God, you're going to listen and obey. We, my wife and I, we tell that all the time with our kids. Listen and obey. Listen and obey, all right? It, but it keeps on going. It doesn't stop there. Dads, do not treat your children in such a way as to make them angry. If, Dad, if you're, if you're controlled by God, you're not going to just make them angry. All of this is a result. I'm going to keep on going. Um, servants, respectfully obey your masters if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what? If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to obey what the boss says. Dear Lord, Think about this now. All of that, all of those verses I read you is a direct result of being controlled by God. So I want to end today is what's controlling you? Is your anger controlling you? It was Bruce Banner. Is food, television, movies, tobacco, alcohol, any of that controlling you? Because the only thing, the only person that should be controlling you is God. Is God. Let's pray. Dear, thank you so much, Lord, that um, Lord, that God's Word is so applicable. We, just, we can understand it, and 
It makes a difference in my life. It makes a difference in our lives if we read the Bible. Lord, that when we read the Bible, Lord, it's so... It speaks right to our, our, our need. It speaks right to our situation. Lord, when we read the Bible. Lord, when we talk to you and when we pray, it's not even so much us talking to you, but it's allowing our souls to be quiet enough to be able to hear your still, small voice, to be able to, to understand the Holy Spirit in our lives because he's wanting to, to move us. He's wanting to fill and control us. But we got to pray. Lord, we're filled and controlled by you when we serve other people. Lord, it is not about us. It is about you, God, and it is about other people. And Lord, the quicker we understand that, the quicker we start serving other people, your word, in fact, you said this, Jesus Christ. You said the greatest among you will be the servant. And Lord, we're called to be in community with other people. We're called to hook up relationally and join arms and say, I am going to take, I'm going to look out for you and you are going to look out for me. You are my brother. You are my sister. And even though I don't know you, this is what God is calling you, calling me to. I want to get to know you. Be in, be in community with me. Be in a group with me. Those four things, Lord. It's going to set our lives in such a way that you, the Holy Spirit, can fill and control us and make us more like Jesus Christ. We love you, Jesus, and it's your great big name that we pray. Amen.